Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Well, good evening, everyone. We're just a, we have a, a different schedule this week. As most of you know, we're normally on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Every now and then we do it a little differently because this week a lot of people are going to be traveling and uh, for a holiday season. And so um, today I um, was privileged enough to have a guest agree to join me on a different day. And I'm excited to introduce uh, you to someone who I think is going to have some great advice for us and those of us who are leaders. And I, I don't know about you, those of you who are tuning in and have heard uh, about today's topic on leadership, about guilt-free strategies for making time for yourself, is that I've certainly had uh, moments where I should have been resting and relaxing and just felt bad because there was I felt like there was something else I should be doing. And so today's guest uh, is an expert in her own right, has written a lot of articles and and um, books about time management and time investment. Um, and so I'm, I'm pleased to introduce uh, to you today's conversation, uh, Elizabeth Grace Saunders. Elizabeth, uh, pleasure to meet you and thank you for joining us. My delight, very happy to be here. So I, you know, before we, we went live, you know, I started out by saying, look, I'm, I, I have so much I wanna ask you about and that's usually the case. Uh, with my guests, and I want us to jump in because, you know, usually this 30 minutes goes so quickly. Um, First of all, I know that you are the founder and CEO of your own company called Real Life E, I think. Um, But um, um, I'd love to hear more about that, but particularly about the fact that it's a time management coaching company. So uh, tell us a little bit first about your background and then Real Life E, um, if you could, what, uh, what, what gave rise to this company? Absolutely. I'd be delighted to share. So it's definitely not something that I had in mind when I started out in my career. I actually started out in magazine journalism. So I did writing, editing, and photo styling for magazines. I did that first as an employee at Meredith Corporation, which is the publisher of magazines like Better Homes and Gardens, Ladies Home Journal, and many, many others. Um, And then as a freelancer, so in 2005, I started my first business, and that was freelancing back to Meredith as well as to other magazines and marketing companies doing the same kind of work I had done as an employee. And that was wonderful. I was so excited to own my own business and so grateful people wanted to hire me. And it was also terrible because I more or less fell into being an entrepreneur. I didn't have a huge plan for it. And I didn't have any work-life balance. So I can completely Mm. relate to the feeling of feeling guilty whenever I wasn't working, even if it was at night or on the weekends. I just always felt like, oh, there's more I should get done. You get home from something at 10 o'clock at night. You're like, oh, I should check my business email. 
<laughs> so that's how I that's how I started sure. out, and sure. it was it was like I said, wonderful and terrible. I mean, wonderful because you could meet a friend for coffee at Wednesday at 10 a.m. if you want to, and terrible because a friend could call you at 9 p.m. at night, and you're like, I can't talk, I'm working, and. So I did this for a few years, and at first it didn't bother me because I was just really excited about being a business owner and the success I had there. And I can imagine for a lot of people listening to this show that there might have been times in your career it really didn't bother you. You're like, no problem. Mm-hmm. Like I can mm-hmm. answer email all the way till I go to bed. I can get up at Saturday 7 a.m. and do work. No problem. But then all of us, I think maybe I'm impatient in this regard. Hit a point, it, for me, it only took two years, where it's like, enough is enough. No way. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. if I can never relax without feeling guilty, something is wrong here. I, I do not feel successful, even though technically I am successful because I have a successful business. Mm-hmm. So it really was a personal journey where I started to figure out, what is it going to take? How can I not work at night, not work on the weekends? What choices mm-hmm. do I need to make? How do I need to plan? What do I need to say no to? What do I need to stop saying? So, for example, mm-hmm. before the phrase, oh, I'll get this to you tomorrow, used to always pop out of my mouth, even when they mm-hmm. didn't need it tomorrow. So, like, I had uh, to learn how not to say that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and as I did that, I actually was able to continue to have a successful business and start to get that balance where I was working sure. during the day, built free time at night, guilt-free time off on the weekends. And it was really my entrepreneur friends, because I had a lot lot of other young entrepreneur friends I was connected with, who said, Elizabeth, this is amazing. We have successful businesses, but we're stressed out all the time. You Mm. should really help other people. And so it was a surprise because this was back in 2009. So at the beginning of 2022 will be 13 years. I've been a time management coach. Oh, wow. And... um, you know, back in 2009, the idea of being a time management coach wasn't really a thing. I more or less was a forerunner, inventor of this particular niche in the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. And so I had to create my own way. I did have some background in terms of coaching training. As an entrepreneur, I had been coached by business coaches, so I understood kind of how that process worked. But I had to bring together my insights through my own journey of learning how to get balanced through reading time management material. There was a lot of like time management books and like training on time mm-hmm. management available mm-hmm. and then really formulate what does it look like to translate more the training type of time management into a coaching setting where you really help people put it into action. So sure, that's sure. Been my journey. And um, I've had the privilege of working with people all over the world, every continent except Antarctica, and I love it. Wow, that is amazing. Well, you know, when you mentioned time management, I kind of chuckled because for me, um, I kind of discovered it accidentally. And um, I was working at a university, not the current one, um, but I was working at a university, and any time I would have – um, a meeting with the president, it would always be um, for in these 15-minute blocks. And I kept thinking, wow, that's not a lot of time. But I remembered it forcing me to be very focused and know exactly what I needed to say and, and get done. But we always got through everything in 15 minutes or less. But 
Um, but it was really an accident where before I'm going to tell you, if people used to call me and they needed an appointment. Um, I used the one by default that was in the system. Guess how much that was? An hour. And so mm-hmm. they would get an hour. And even though they wouldn't necessarily need an hour, they got an hour. And I'm just saying all of that because it was what helped me not have as much to do on the weekend at night was to start managing that time more efficiently during the day as well. Um, so, um, but I had to discover that kind of the hard way. And I think someone like you who has a lot of experience with that and helping people do that would be great. I mean, just, I had no idea, um, until recently and say in the last two or three years that people who are doing time management coaching even existed. So tell me this, what, so you, you're, you're at, at your office or wherever you conduct your business and you get a call from a client. What is the typical mm-hmm. client doing like that is mm-hmm. that makes you have to go, okay, I need to coach you how to manage your time. What are they doing? I'd be happy to share. So usually people are falling into one of two camps. Um, So on the one side, how you could know that someone might need time management coaching is they're crazy busy. So like we were talking Mm -hmm. about with Mm -hmm. um, feeling guilty about taking time off. So these are people starting checking email as soon as they get up. Maybe they're not even up. Maybe they're lying in their bed still. They're checking email. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Working all day long, you know, maybe coming home, eating something, and then working after that, oftentimes not sleeping enough, Mm -hmm. working on the weekend. Like they basically, like they have this sense of just 24-7 that they're working and they just are at the point of burnout. So that's Mm -hmm. one type of kind of prototype of who I work with. The other type of individuals I work with, which you may not think is the same issue, but it actually is, are people who are having the opposite external manifestation of the same underlying issues. These are people that are stuck. So they're not getting anything done. Like they might Mm. only be working a few hours a day and spending the rest of the time distracted, procrastinating, doing all these different other things other than what they're supposed to do. And those are also people that I work with because when they are confronted with overwhelm, their response is to shut down versus their first group when they're confronted by overwhelm, their response is to just push harder, try harder, work harder. And so both groups really need my help because they're not living the life they want to live and it's just not sustainable. Hmm. Okay. So, so what I'm hearing is that generally the ones that are not uh, that are feeling guilty about their time off are most likely not using the time that they have well. So it, that's what's causing it to bleed over into the weekend at night, first thing in the morning. Is that is that accurate, or is it a little more complicated? Well, I think there can be various factors. So for some people, Mm -hmm. yes, they're not using their time well. So they're procrastinating during the day, and then they end up having to do their quote-unquote actual work at night or on the weekend. So there's definitely that group. I would say the other group, particularly the ones that are quote-unquote super busy, it's not necessarily that they're wasting time. They just don't have Mm -hmm. the best strategies. So, for example, 
maybe they're not prioritizing. So they're getting tons of stuff done, but they're not saying no to a lot of things, and so they're stretched too thin. Or, for example, maybe like your, your great example around meetings, maybe they're saying yes to too many meetings or the meetings are too long or inefficient. Or mm-hmm. maybe they don't know how to plan their day and their week. So they're jumping into work with great enthusiasm, giving it all they got. But because they didn't plan out their time, wow, all of a sudden they realize, oh, I worked all day long. I put, put in so much effort. I got so much done. And then at 7 p.m. at night, they realize they have a presentation the next morning. They didn't even remember they had to do. And right. they're working late on it. Um, yeah. Or sometimes it's a boundary issue. So some people that are not having enough time feeling guilty for for not working are people that are just taking over responsibility for their colleagues, for the direct mm-hmm. reports, doing a whole bunch of other people's jobs and not setting boundaries there. So there mm-hmm. can be a lot of different reasons why people are in that situation, but mm-hmm. a lot of it comes down to not investing your time in the most effective way possible. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so those are all and very uh, well uh, considered ideas around uh, kind of the use of time. So let's get let's get right to what you know what I was really uh, I asked you to on the show about um, was because I you know there's a I hear a lot of this around the me you know carving out me time and and I guess first I want to I want to hear you know from your perspective what do you consider to be um, and and this could be there could be a wide range of definitions of me time, obviously. But what are you what are you looking to help people recognize about how they define that downtime that is me time? Uh, is it alone time or is it just time where they're not working? So I guess that's my first question. What? How do you define the me time that you're you're you're? Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. that's a fantastic question. Um, so I would say me time for most of my clients tends to be doing the things that rejuvenate you and give you energy. So that would be how I would define it. What that means for different people can vary quite a bit. So for some people, it is watching a television show, like their favorite television show that just makes them laugh. For some people, Mm -hmm. it's taking time to exercise. For some people, it's taking time to meditate or pray or journal. Mm -hmm. For some people, it might be practicing music or doing a craft or being in nature. So it's really like what allows you to rejuvenate. Some of those things definitely can be with other people. Like maybe you love exercising and you go to an exercise class um, or, you know, watch TV with your significant other at home. So it doesn't necessarily need to be solo, but the idea is that it's something that's giving you energy. It's an input, not taking energy and mm-hmm. output. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so why would those things be things that we feel guilty about? What, what's making us well, feel guilty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, no, that's a great question. So the whole psychological concept of guilt is when there's a mismatch between our expectations of ourselves and our what our actions actually are. So mm-hmm. that's what creates that that gap is what creates the guilt. Mm-hmm. So in order to eliminate guilt, you have 
a few options. One is you can change your expectations, which we'll talk about in just a bit, or two, you can change your actions, or you could do both. Um, so I'll give you some examples. So for example, in regards to changing your expectations, if you have the mentality that you can go nonstop from right when you open your eyes until when you mm-hmm. go to bed at night, you're just not being realistic. Like no one really can do that. And if you're honest with yourself, when you don't give yourself downtime, you take it because mm. you end up getting tired, mm-hmm. you end up getting unfocused, you will end up doing something like scrolling on social media or reading random things in the afternoon because you just can't think anymore. Most of the time, once you get past like 10 p.m. or 9 p.m., you're not that productive. So like mm-hmm. you need to change your expectations to realize it's okay, it's natural, it's human to have me time, to have downtime, to have time to recharge. I don't have to be connected all the time. And so that's one way you can change your expectations. And once you do that, then you don't have to feel guilty because your actions and expectations can be aligned. Another way you can eliminate guilt, and this is more for the people that are struggling with getting anything done, and that's why they're feeling guilty, mm-hmm. is if you're someone that, let's say, you're supposed to be working eight hours during the day and you know you only work two, well, there's some legitimate guilt there for not having completed the things that you were supposed to complete. Or even maybe mm-hmm. you did work mm-hmm. hard, but you still didn't get like everything done you wanted to. Um, in that case, what I work with people on is finding the strategies to plan their day to overcome procrastination and to be focused so that when you finish the day, you're like, I put in a good day's work. And I know I did. Maybe I didn't get everything done, but I did a good job. My actions show that I was really committed to my priorities. And so I can then rest without guilt. Um, so mm-hmm. those are kind of the two different variables that we can we can modify. And sometimes this isn't just about yourself but it's also about resetting expectations with other people. So you said a lot of the people that listen to this are in the school environment, and you have a lot of different stakeholders. You Mm -hmm. have other administrative staff, you have teachers, you have people that are staff within the schools that aren't teachers, you have parents, you have different associations, you have a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to reset expectations with them about what you can or can't do. So, for mm-hmm. example, if you set the expectation that if they email you at 10 p.m. at night, they're going to get a response from you by 10.30 p.m. at night, that's kind of your fault. That you, right, you're crazy right, right. Like you made them think that was normal mm-hmm. versus like if you set the expectation with them, hey, you can email me anytime you want. You can email me at 10. You can email me at 2 in the morning. <laughs> you're not right. going to get a response until a humane hour the next right, day. Right. Then right. that's what you're teaching them. You're teaching them how to treat you. So sure. I guess to sum it up, the whole point around how do we overcome guilt, why do we feel guilty? Number one, we have to switch our own expectations and recognize that as human beings, we do need time for rest and refreshment. That is essential. Mm-hmm. Number two, if necessary, we need to modify our actions. So if we're not taking responsibility for getting done during the day, what we know we need to do, we need to become more productive and focused to make that happen. And then number three, sometimes we just need to modify the expectations of other people and not set up situations where we feel bad or guilty for not being on call 24-7. Oh, for sure, for sure. Let me tell you what's really funny. You can't see it, but I, um, 
as you were talking, I put an asterisk on both sides of a sentence that I wrote, and then you said it, it was teach people how to treat you. And it, it's so funny because I've heard that before, and it is absolutely true. Um, another thing that, you know, I, I have coached a number of, of um, C-suite execs, and I've coached principals and superintendents. And I've I've encouraged them to remember not to give kind of an organization their last. And what I've what I've said about that is just that you your your last is that if you think about it as a a glass of water, it's just that all all of it that when you shake that glass and there's nothing left in there that'll come out is that don't do that because. There are there there one is that there's a lot that you need in order to uh, be able to continue. But the other point is that, and I think it gets overused as a kind of analogy, is that about putting the mask on yourself first. And I hear people say that a lot, but they don't live by it. Which is, you know, what they tell us to do on the airplane. It's counterintuitive. We've all been we've always been told to help other people. If you see someone in need, give them what they need. Um, but the the other rule of thumb is put the mask on yourself first. Before you can help someone else, you've you have to be okay. And so right. um and so that's that's a really good one to to live by. It's just that um I think when I think about how Sometimes when you're feeling overwhelmed, how easy it is just to keep going in at that same pace that you are giving, giving. And so um, how do you help people that are in that in that state where it's, I, you know, I used to joke all the time and some people on my team know I still say it. They'll say that they're going on vacation and I'll go now. Now, explain to me, what is that word again? I, I don't remember <laughs> that, you know, but um, yeah. but but what what do, when you find that there are people who are in that kind of ramped up stake of being overwhelmed, how do you help them? Um, what, what is your, that kind of one of your strategies for getting them back on track to it's okay for you to take the time off? Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of times when people come to me, they're starting to experience consequences of their actions. Mm, so uh, maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's, they're starting to have performance issues because they can't keep up. Um, maybe it's issues in their marriage because they're never mm-hmm, home or mm-hmm. when they are home, they're always working. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's things like that that get them to this breaking point where they're like, okay, I really have to make a change. Mm -hmm. And how I help people in that situation is, number one, we just really start by assessing their schedule. And so I, after I have a consultation and they decide to be a client, then I would talk through with them all the details of their schedule. So literally like when they're getting up, when they're going to bed, when they have recurring meetings, when they want to exercise, when they want to do email, when they want to work on projects, any of those different sorts of components of their schedule. And then I lay out for them an initial weekly schedule as like a template. And of Mm -hmm. course we know things can vary. You can have different meetings each week or different tasks to do. But the best way to think about it is it's kind of like a school schedule. So even though, yes, you'll 
have days when you have a field trip or, yes, you'll have half days for parent-teacher conferences or things like that. You still have a general schedule so that the kids don't just show up and there's, like, mass chaos with, like, hundreds Mm -hmm. of kids wandering around everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. People know Mm -hmm. where their homeroom is. They know when to go to mass, all of that. Um, So I come up with that initially. And with people in that situation you described, oftentimes when I'm putting together the schedule, we realize all they wanted to fit in their schedule does not mm. actually literally fit. fit. So it, sure. it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's kind of like looking at a closet of clothes and wishing you could organize it, but it just literally doesn't fit. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we need to make some hard decisions. And we go through the process of just asking those questions like, do you have to show up at these meetings? Are there more things you could delegate? Could you say no to this? Could you get off this committee? Could you make that meeting shorter like you were talking about? Could it be 15 minutes instead of an hour? Mm-hmm. Where, like, are you spending too much time on email? Are you answering email all day long? And we just get ruthless in thinking about what can we cut? What can we cut? Because there's only so much we can do at a micro level with organizing your time if on a macro level you're overcommitted. And so I try mm-hmm. to really get people down to a realistic amount of commitments that they have in their schedule. And oftentimes that means saying no, delegating, and then being more efficient with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's where we start. And I also have them block time in their schedule for their own work. So it might be a few times a week where they've got a two or three hour block. That's blocks on a recurring basis where people can't schedule meetings with them. And that's just mm-hmm. time for them to do their own work, their own catch up, whatever needs to get done. And so those are the kind of strategies that start to create breathing room and really get people out of just like the reacting and like driving harder and harder and instead stepping back, making those strategic choices and just really questioning the overall system. Like, do I really need to do that? Does life really have to be that crazy? And most of the time, the answer is no. We were Mm -hmm. often creating a lot more of our own crazy than actually needed to be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, the the article that I I read um, that made me know I wanted to have a conversation with you was in the uh, Harvard Business Review. And the last thing you mentioned, it was earlier this year, actually, um, an article that uh, that appeared was um, the final point you made. And I thought this was so important um, was about being clear with others as a final point that um, making sure that people know, you know, that, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take time. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to read. I'm going to do whatever. And, and I I think that by kind of going, extrapolating that out um, in a biz, in kind of the business world, making your needs also be known around, here's what I need to change at work, or this is what I need, or this is what's going to happen that may not have been the way it was before. But, you mentioned about expectations, changing expectations for yourself, but also changing expectations with others that they know, like you were saying about the, not just, you know, the emails, but also just overall your behavior, you know, like, um, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to actually take the time. Exactly. And it's also about being a good role model. So when Mm -hmm. you show, your colleagues or you show students that 
you can have a time when you're off work and you can be with your family or you can exercise or do whatever is important to you or sleep, you're also making it okay for them versus if you're telling those working for you or you're telling students, oh, you should have balance and you should take care of yourself and you should invest in what matters and then they see you being a crazy person, you're not really modeling that. So by Mm -hmm. letting people know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and then sticking to it, you show that it's possible. And also you Mm -hmm. take yourself out of the victim role because Mm -hmm. sometimes people are like, oh, I, I can't believe I have to stay up all night answering emails or, you know, I can't go to bed at time or I never have time to exercise. And it's like, well, that it's your choice. Like you don't have to, but you are. And so mm-hmm. just take ownership of, you know, I'm either doing this and I'm not going to complain about it. This is what it is. Or if I'm not doing it, I, I'm making that choice too and to have whatever consequences come from that. Mm-hmm. And by being clear with yourself and others, living in integrity with your values, um, you can move forward. That being said, of course, there's like emergencies. Like if you have some dramatic emergency at your school, like the building's on fire, or, you know, mental health crisis with a student, of course, you're going to take care of it, of like answer your sure. phone. But, um, sure. but we're talking the day-to-day and we just can't, we can't make the day-to-day an emergency because then it doesn't give us the capacity to really respond when there's true emergencies that we have to mm-hmm. deal with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I know we're we're just about out of time, but I know that you, um, some time ago, you you wrote a book uh, entitled "The Three Secrets to Effective Time Investment: um, How to Achieve More Success with Less Stress." Those of you who out there may be struggling with the same kinds of issues in your leadership roles um, that you're struggling with in uh, effective time investment, uh, Elizabeth, you want to give us a sneak uh, preview of like what what's the big takeaway from from this that will get people interested and maybe they'll run out and, and, and invest in it. Absolutely. I'd be happy to share. So my first book, which you mentioned is really taking a comprehensive look at effective time investment. And so there's three different parts. So the first is on clarifying action-based priorities. The second is on setting realistic expectations. And then the third part is on strengthening simple routines. So in the three secrets to effective time investment, you'll get the whole system of how to transform your relationship with time. And then also as a bonus, the beginning chapters of the book are about overcoming the emotional and mental blocks to change. So things like mm-hmm. guilt and shame and mm-hmm. fear and anxiety. And then at the end, I have a chapter about how to work with people with a different time personality. So if you're super spontaneous and you have a planner in your life at work or at home, this can help you understand each other when you're like stressed out by planners or vice versa. If you're a planner right. and you're stressed out by spontaneous people. There's lots of tips on understanding how each other are thinking and then very practical tips of how to work together instead of getting upset at each other. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. And do you have any uh, new book projects, things that we can be on the lookout for? So no new book projects, but continuing to do coaching um, Mm -hmm. and I'm offering group coaching. So I have time management made easy group coaching. And I write very frequently for Harvard Business Review and Fast Company. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, mostly working on just developing my business and okay. making a positive impact on people all over the world. Excellent. And where, if someone wants to reach you, where can they reach you? 
the best place to find me is on my website. So that is the name of my business, which I will say and then spell. So it's Real Life E. And the way it's spelled is R-E-A-L-L-I-F-E. And then another E as in Elizabeth.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, look, this has been uh, certainly informative, learned a lot, and I'm sure people listening in learned a lot too. Just wishing you great success. Um, again, I've enjoyed reading you in Harvard Business Review. Uh, I subscribe to Fast Company. So many great little, like just short articles there that you you um, put a lot of good information in there. So I encourage anyone listening in to um, find you there as well. So we'll be listening and, and watching out for those articles and um, hope to see something again real soon. But uh, until we do see things from you, go well and stay well, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.